The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Retirement planning is simple, right? Well, I guess it depends on how far you let Wade, Alex, and I wander into the weeds. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Retire with Style. I'm Alex. I'm here with Wade. And I'm here with our favorite reoccurring guest, Bob (laughs) French. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. That was Bob, by the way. (laughs) Yes, that is is Bob. (laughs) So, Wade, what are we going to talk Bird. about today? <laughs> got all kinds of things. I was waiting. It was, was, was an uncomfortable pause. So I was like, <laughs> let's, let's just kick it off. <laughs> I was wondering whether we should mention that Bob wishes he had air conditioning now up in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, old houses, no, no air conditioning. And, uh, you know, it, it's rough. It's up in the 80s, and it's just not acceptable here in Maine. So. Okay, enough small talk, guys. We got exactly. And this is the part, wait, this is the part where we're supposed to say, oh my God, it's much harder than that here. You know, blah, blah, That's blah. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not Wade, you in Dallas, Dallas, I was leaving you wide much. open for that. Yeah, 108 degrees every day now. So. 108? Yeah, but it's a dry but, heat. Yeah, it's a dry heat. It's not, no, it's, we're part of the Midwest tornado alley now, so it's that humid heat. <laughs> but anyway, you know, today. Yeah, but anyways. <laughs> This is like car talk before like retirement planning, I think. <laughs> yeah, the, the intellectual discourse everyone's tuning in for here. Wait, what, what are we talking about? No, I'll let you... We're ready to talk about the funded ratio, which is a, a really helpful tool to get an assessment of whether you're on track with a, a financial plan for retirement. It's an alternative to Monte Carlo-based uh, software, which if you've ever run a retirement plan and it reported a probability of success, that would be a, well, probably a Monte Carlo based type software program. But the, the funded ratio just looks at it from a different perspective where you don't have to worry about simulating randomized returns for stocks and bonds. You simply assume a low risk type investment return and you consider whether you have sufficient assets to meet your various goals, financial goals for retirement. So that that's the main idea and that's really what looking to talk about today and we've got Bob French here as well who helped with the retirement researcher and McLean Asset Management with creating a funded ratio tool so he's got that experience as well so thanks for joining us today Bob thanks for having me and, and I suppose to really get the discussion going we should probably talk about what we call at retirement researcher the the real map which is the retirement mm-hmm. income optimization map which is really just an illustration of the funded ratio without putting in any numbers. And so with the Rio map, it's, it's about mapping assets, liabilities, goals. Well, goals are like liabilities, but let's, yeah, let's walk through that. And there are four L's. I don't know if 
quiz Alex here if he knows what the four L's are. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Do you remember at this point? <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob, text me on the side. So I can... <laughs> quick, quick. Well, the first one is love. Then it's laughter. <laughs> then it's prayer. And then it's... No, 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 no. In here, Alex. Live, love. What's that? What's that book? What's that book? in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, live, laugh, love. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so the real map, if you think of, you know, imagine, imagine a world, right? Think on the left-hand side, there's a column, right? And let's call that your, your four L's. And effectively, it starts with longevity. We ask your, your, you know, I'll just name them. You can explain them. Right? Longevity, lifestyle, liquidity, and legacy. Boom, Wade. <laughs> they didn't even you hesitate, it, right. baby. They didn't even hesitate. <laughs> Thank right, you for the text, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, we can't see what you're looking at here on your computer as you're recording this. No, 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 no. Those are the four L's. Uh, pray tell, Wade. What, what, what did you they say? Where, where are we right, going with this? Well, we've been talking about budgeting in the recent episodes. Longevity and, and lifestyle is about the retirement budget. So in recent episodes, we've been talking about the budgeting process for retirement. And to the extent that you can make a differentiation with your budgeting, longevity is more about your essential or your fixed or your core retirement expenses, with the idea being you really don't want to outlive your ability to fund longevity expenses. And then lifestyle, to the extent that it exists as something separate, it implies there's more discretion. Things that to have the best possible retirement, you definitely want to do, but you do have some flexibility that if things are going really badly with financial markets and so forth, you could cut back a bit on lifestyle. But together, lifestyle and longevity, that's the retirement budget. And then uh, legacy, of course, is pretty straightforward in terms of what you'd like to leave for the next generation. And liquidity gets into the idea of having additional assets available to cover potential unexpected expenses in retirement. And, and the way I describe those is kind of a, a few nuances. These could be concerns you have for retirement. They're your financial goals for retirement, but you could also define them as expenses for your uh, financial, those are expenses that you have. So when we create the Rio map on the left, as Alex was saying, we say assets, and then it's the four L's stacked in boxes that the funded ratio is going to quantify longevity, lifestyle, legacy, liquidity. Then, and these are, well, I'm sorry, that first column we would call goals. Then the middle column is going to be the assets, and then the right column is going to be liabilities. Now, the liabilities are just the expenses associated with those goals. So we could say longevity. It's, it's the numerical equivalence of the goals. Right, right. Whatever the cost is. So the actual essential expenses is longevity. The actual discretionary expenses is lifestyle. The uh, legacy <laughs> is legacy. And then contingency expenses, contingency funds, like the unexpected things that can happen, the long-term care and everything else, that's the liquidity. And then the middle column and those assets we like to divide, and this is going to be relevant for the funded ratio as well, between yeah. reliable income, diversified portfolio, and reserve assets. And, and that's the map. It's how do you want to structure your assets to map them and to match them to your liabilities 
so that you're meeting your financial goals for retirement and have sufficient assets to meet the different financial goals for retirement. That's the real map. And then the funded ratio is simply putting numbers. What is the uh, dollar value of your longevity expenses? What is the dollar value of lifestyle expenses? What's the dollar value of legacy? And what's the dollar value of the contingencies you want to be able to fund to have feel like you're ready to proceed into retirement? So, so, so wait, is it fair to say con conceptually? Because someone's listening to this and it's, you know, there's only so much you can kind of imagine in your head, right? So if you, if you break it down to its, you know, building blocks, its proteins, amino acids, if you will, you have assets, you have the assets column, and you have the liabilities column, right? And the mm -hmm. liabilities are kind of the goals, but since we're talking about numbers now, you have the assets and liabilities. And so think about the funded ratio as a big division, the assets over liabilities. And so Wade put me on the spot. Bob, which one's the denominator and which one's the numerator? <laughs> the numerator is on the top. That's going to be your assets. Damn it. The denominator is on the bottom. Hey. My daughter just learned fractions, so I'm good on this one. <laughs> but that's effectively what you're doing. It's the assets over your liabilities, and it's it's a sense of how much you are funded. And we were just giving you the framework in, in how we look at it. There's a overall funded ratio, and then we break it down by components. But I just wanted to conceptually take a little bit of a step back so you can envision it without having an aneurysm at, at the same time. And you can also view it as a balance sheet, we should say as well. Yeah, it's, there you go. You've got an assets yeah. column and a liabilities column. Though to be clear, it's a little bit different from, well, depending on how sophisticated your balance sheets are, but we are including things like your future social security benefits that you don't have today, but we will consider them as assets that are part of your well, reliable income on the balance sheet. So that's- Because there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, a theory here, you know, as opposed to practical. What you're saying is if you could, theoretically have the present value of all your future income streams you know if you could kind of take that and get some sort of pension for everything you know although you can't if you could do that or how are you relative to the liabilities that you will have in the future you're, you're kind of answering mm -hmm. that question and if it's a good one then great yeah. so that's why you include social security right. even though you technically don't have the money you want to know well i mean at the same you time you're also including all of those future payments all the future yeah, money going out the point. door as well so it's it's really just keeping everything well as we're talking about balanced here yeah and the issue is that money today is not worth the same as money in the future right but we're going to summarize how to put all these dollar values either like inflows of income like social security benefits and also outflows like here's my budgeted expenses in 2045 <laughs> and we're going to put try to put those together into one simple metric Bob, and that's what uh, we want uh, to talk about. And before you get going, I, I just want to maybe just set the stage for the funded ratio when we get to the details. Yeah. Uh, I, I can imagine folks are listening in, even advisors, frankly, mm -hmm. uh, listening in, thinking, funded ratio, what the heck is that? I've heard of uh, Monte Carlo plan. I've heard of the basic, you know, how to, you know, what's a million dollars in 10 years, you know, the basic straight line budgeting kind of thing. But what's a funded ratio? Where, where did that come from? Does anyone else use this? I've never heard this before. And in my yeah. head, Bob, I'm thinking this is kind of the de facto for corporate pensions and, and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. It, it, it is. Um, you know, and it's something that 
I think it's fair to say we're, we're seeing more and more folks using a funded ratio type of approach. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing particularly wrong. There's nothing bad about the traditional Monte Carlo approach. In fact, that's actually how we all met each other. We met building out uh, a tool that does that Monte Carlo based financial planning. And it is a good tool in the right circumstances. What the, fu uh, what the funded ratio does is it doesn't take it one step further. It takes it one step in a different direction um, because what the funded ratio is really doing is giving you a checkup on what your financial health is at this point in time. So what you're saying is, you know, hey, we're looking at all of this stuff out in the future. We're looking at all this stuff that we want to be, do, be able to do. We, we're looking at all of this money that we're planning on getting in. Does it all match up? Does it all kind of fit together? Does it make sense that I'll be able to make these future payments? You know, we're, we're aligning over a couple things, but you know, we're, we're really getting a general idea. Does this work? And that's really the question that the funded ratio is really trying to answer here. Um, you know, can we actually generally do this and then filling in the details further on down the road, um, but making sure that everything lines up here. So the idea is, is, please. Well, I mean, just even more than that, if you're using the same assumptions, the funded ratio will be equivalent to a Monte Carlo-based financial plan. It's just coming at it from a different perspective. Right. The Monte Carlo plan tells you a probability of success. There is a fixed rate of return that will correspond to that probability of success, but it's just, it's hidden. You'd have to reverse engineer it, Yep. which you can do, but you have no idea what kind of return you're assuming with that probability of success. The funded ratio is coming at it from a different perspective where you pick a fixed rate of return assumption and see if you're funded. And then there'll be a one-to-one -one correspondence. The more funded you are, the higher probability of success. But in the same way that the Monte Carlo plan doesn't report a fixed rate of return, the funded ratio uh, doesn't report the probability of success and it would have to be right. reverse engineered. So they are Absolutely. equivalent, but it's just a different way to think about the same. Yeah, thing. exactly. It's a different way of thinking about it. And it's answering a slightly different question as well. Um, it's answering, you know, again, do my assets line up with my liabilities? Whereas the Monte Carlo is asking, you know, what do I need to do to make these things fit? Um, so it's getting to largely the same place, but in a different way. And I think in kind of a more intuitive understanding of how to how to kind of understand what the plan is telling us here mm -hmm. yeah that intuition is important because i've really just completely shifted from monte carlo based to funded ratio just at a yep. personal level and as i was writing the retirement planning guidebook realizing more and more that a funded ratio approach is much more easier to implement and understand than a I monte just... carlo based financial plan for the record, and I think Bob can vouch for me, I've, I've been a funded ratio fan way before Wade has. He has. That, Bob? He has. <laughs> He's been harassing us with papers on the funded ratio for, for a long time now. And uh, he's just beaten us into submission by that. Just so. recording, but you know, that's it. <laughs> just wants this on the record here, so. <laughs> so what's it about? I, if you had to do the nuts and bolts on it. Yeah. So the nuts and bolts are, are pretty straightforward, actually. It's, you know, as we've described, it's literally the present value of your assets over the present value of your liabilities. Though that, that term, the present value, 
is one that you know is probably familiar to some of you, definitely not familiar to all of you. Um, but you know, Wade kind of summed it up: a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. You know, if I was to offer you a hundred dollars today or a hundred dollars in a year, everyone would take that hundred dollars today. Alex, you I got yeah, 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 I got it. I'm just trying to think of the. I'm trying to think of yeah, right. I'm trying to think of the readers. I mean, not the readers, the the listeners, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, maybe we have transcripts. Who knows? But uh, all right. So I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking, how do I get the present value of my assets? Let's start with my investments. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm gonna get granular here a little bit. My investments, yeah. okay. And how do I get the present value of my investment accounts? What's the how do I your do present that? value is literally your present value of your investment accounts. It's the number exactly. on your yeah. statements. Yeah, okay, so. Yeah, so in your head, if you're trying to do a funded ratio and you're looking at your investments, they did the math for you. Not that they did yep. it. It's just, that's what it's worth right now. Boom. Right. Yeah, and that really, so take, like, take, as take, you're getting into this, it's just there's two different kinds of assets, two different kinds of liabilities. You've got the kind where you've got an balance today. You know the exact amount today. And then you have cash flows, things right. that are coming in the future or that are going out in the future. And, and so, as we've now stated, any sort of investment account any sort of like mortgage balance or other liability, yep. the, the present value of those are just simply their their dollar values. What you the statement those balances are now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then Social Security, how do I do that? Uh, and maybe this requires, I don't know, a three minute explanation of present value, et cetera. But okay, how do I do the present value of Social Security? I don't even know where to start, Bob. Or where sure. So you know the place to start is there's. Well, I guess three numbers, three or four numbers that we really care about here. So the first two numbers are pretty straightforward. It's, you know, how much money is going to be coming in the door? How big is that check that the Social Security Administration is going to be sending you? How long are we planning on, on doing that? How many of those checks do we think we're going to get? So those are, well, moderately straightforward, especially that longevity question. Um, but the two other numbers we care about, the first is something called the discount rate. Um, basically, how much more we value money today than we do in the future. You know, or put differently, how much less we value that money that we're going to get in the future. How much we value having access to that money right now. The second number is, well, inflation. Um, so for those payments, either money going in or out, you know, if those payments are gonna be adjusted by inflation, you know, social security, since that's what we're talking about, it is adjusted for inflation. So over time, presuming we have inflation, which is a pretty good assumption, those payments are gonna increase. So we need to estimate what that increase is gonna look like. You know, it's probably not gonna be as big as we've been seeing this past year, but you know, we can estimate some number of that. Um, okay, so, well, Bob, Bob uh, okay, I, I get the inflation, and I'm trying to be a, a listener and, and, and wait, clip it because I think this is very important. Uh, ch chime in here, okay? What what the heck does that mean? I value money more now than in the future. How do I come up with an equation around that? Because that's my feeling. Yeah, let me. It sounds talk to me like you're talking a little bit because that's. That is literally finance. There's an here. issue we're not so. getting into, which is just about the time preferences, but we're not even talking about that. It's more simply, if I 
could put my money in the bank today and then earn interest or, you know, this discount rate is kind of like the return assumption for the plan so that if I had the money today that I'm going to spend in the future, I could put it into this account that will earn interest over time and be worth more in the future. Conversely, like, so if I had $100 today, I have $100 today. If I'm going to receive $100 in 10 years, how much worth today? It's going to be worth less because I need less today since I could, if whatever, $100 in the future, less today going into the bank account, earning interest to grow to be $100 in 10 years. Depend interest rate, you know, that could be somewhere like $85, $90. It depends on the interest rate. But I would not need as much today to fund $100 in the future because whatever the equivalent amount today is would be able to earn interest at the discount rate getting future date. And so that's why cash flows in the future, as long as the interest rate or the discount rate is a positive number, those cash values in the future are worth less today. And that's, that's what the present value calculation is picking up. That's what I wanted to get at, just to let people know that, look, that's, there's a rate there. And, and then you said this, and this comes up with a lot of folks. Hey, what, what about my market assumptions on these investments? What if I think the market's going to go down? What if I think the market's going to go up? How are you incorporating that into the analysis? And, and, and in my head, I'm thinking about it, it's kind of the discount rate and the, it, it's almost a return assumption in and of itself. But mm -hmm. Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com. And subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. Go on. How and would that's you answer back that to question? that point, right? The, the Monte Carlo, uh, you get a probability of success. If I want a 90% chance for success, again, you can, though it, it, there's a randomized return that gets you to that you can calculate what a fixed rate of return equivalent assumption would be. And that's the point about the funded ratio is, yeah, there's going to be volatility in the future, but if we think in, in general terms, let's just look at a simple, like we like to use tips yields to allow for inflation adjusted liabilities. Let's just assume all you earn is the tips interest rate plus inflation. So you, and see if your plan works in that context. And so it kind of gives you that basis of, can I uh, have a successful retirement without taking market risk? That does we're telling you to invest all in tips or that we're otherwise telling you not to take any sort of market risk. But just as step one, how does your plan look without taking market risk? Because at some level, uh, if you assume a higher rate of return, there's risk involved in that and you can't necessarily assume, <laughs> it depends how probability-based you are and everything else, but you can't necessarily assume risky assets will earn more than less risky assets on a risk-adjusted basis. So does your plan work without taking risk? And that's where you could assume a stock-like return, but we don't generally want to do anything like that because that, back to the point, that would correspond to a much lower probability of success. If we assume the TIPS interest rate as the discount rate, that should correspond to a high probability of success. Now, again, we, we'd have to reverse engineer what exactly that probability of success is, 
but we can say it would be high. And that's so, then, does the plan work with a, a conservative return assumption, such as just earning tips yields? So, and that's the discount. So wait, uh, let me say it this way then. Uh, so we talk about Monte Carlo and uh, we, we've said this in a, in a future episodes, in previous episodes as well, but <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, this goes back, I, I think this is important. So if you think of Monte Carlo, what it's doing, it, it's running, it's, it's creating these runs. Let's say it does a thousand runs, right? And you either pass or fail. It's a binary outcome, pass or fail, regardless if it's $1, $10, $1,000, $100,000, you pass or fail based on the surplus or shortfall of your goals and plans and ability to fund it, right? Then it takes the average of those, or it just counts up how many pass, how many fail, and, and, and there you go, you get your percent. So if 900 plans pass, 100 failed, that's a 90% success rate, 90 divided by 1,000, right? I mean, 900 into 1,000. So that's a percent of success. The funded ratio is not, it's not coming at it from that direction. It's really just saying, if you could theoretically retire today and cash in on all your assets to fund all your future liabilities, did you win the game? And win the game being, do you have more than you need? You know, let's just call it like that. This is not an existential sort of uh, question. It's just dollars and cents at this point. Did you win the game, theoretically? And so if the assets, if you divide the assets over liability and you're over one, you know, you have $110, your liabilities are $100, hey, guess what? You know, you're funded 110, you know, you're in good shape, 1.1, right? That's telling you, if you could call it a day today and walk away, you go out on top. You're Michael Jordan, you know, making that basket against Utah and you're out, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you're under, let's say by the other token, you're 90. You know, your 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 assets are ninety cents, and your future liabilities are at the dollar. You're under, right? But as opposed to a pass fail, it's giving you a progression towards how far you are to get there. And I think that's that's hugely important, because sure, you're in the quote unquote fail category if if you wanted to find an analog to Monte Carlo, but you're not that far away. You know, and so it gives you a good sense of how to get there and. To Wade's point about the market, hey, the market could go up and boom, that could bring you up. But by the, the other side of that coin is market could go down. So we kind of remove the market stuff from here because we just want to get at the question of if you walk away from the game today, how are you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's yeah. conceptually what this does. And if you're overfunded, like, like your example of $110 of assets, $100 of liabilities, that's telling you you don't have to take risk your plan can work without taking risk. Now, you may want to take risk, but this gives you more context to think about that. When you take risk, there's always the chance that you could switch from overfunded to underfunded. If, if the markets dropped 20%, you might now have, you were overfunded, now you're underfunded. So it gives you context around how much risk you want to take. And conversely, if you were underfunded, if you're like a 90% funded ratio, your assets are 90% of your liabilities, well, if you have more of a probability-based mindset, that's where you might say, yeah, I think I can earn more than a tips yield. So generally, and we haven't really talked about the full concept of present value yet, but <laughs> when you have a higher discount rate, it will usually cause your assets to drop faster than, I'm sorry, I said that back, your liabilities to drop faster than your assets. So a higher discount rate will usually increase your funded ratio. 
And that would be this idea. Well, no, I can invest and earn more than tips. So therefore, right. I'm not really worried about yeah, that. Yeah, I really think of it when you're underfunded, it's telling you, here's how much work you have left to do. Here's how much you have to make up, basically. And you know, because we are assuming such effectively a conservative investment approach, you know, and especially that one thing to call out is most people who are still in that accumulation phase, you know, you're still working and you're saving money, you will be underfunded. You know, that's literally the whole point of that accumulation phase, um, that you are underfunded and you're working towards funding those retirement goals. You're still going to be putting money in. You're still going to be likely, hopefully, having that higher expected return that's going to help you make up some of that funding gap, if you will. Um, you know, so it's it's part of the process. And the funded ratio does work pre-retirement as well. It's you'll probably yes. be underfunded if you assume no future salary. But part of planning out am I on trajectory to meet my retirement goals is okay. If I work ten more years, the present value of my future earnings becomes an asset. And maybe no, I don't have it yet. But assuming I do work the ten more years, like right. I incorporate into the plan, example. Am I funded or and then yeah. how much more work do I need to be funded? Because each year of work is adding the present value of that future earnings as an asset, helping my assets to grow. Absolutely. So yeah. The, the only yeah. thing is, you know, if you're counting on market growth, you know, that's not going to show up in the funded ratio. But it's important to remember that is risk. You are counting on that risk paying off, which, you know, the market's been nice over the past shoot, almost century. Uh, but it is always nice. You know, that is risk that you're taking on there. Right, right. If you're assuming the low discount rate, like the tips yield, uh, hopefully your funded ratio is just growing over time because your assets, the uh, investment account, the, those account balances yeah. are growing faster than the discount rate because stocks hopefully over time offer that risk premium and grow faster than bonds. And so as that happens, that'll help to bring you closer to uh, being fully funded for retirement. Absolutely. But let's get back to that. Go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. No, no. I was, was going to say, let's get back to, to that funded ratio. I'm sorry, that um, present value conversation, um, you know, because that is the fundamental idea of just what it is that's going on here. And, you know, we kind of talked about that discount rate. You know, the one we haven't touched on as much is that inflation rate. Um, you know, through time, you know, historically, we've had inflation. Uh, you know, we certainly got a bunch now. And, you know, we've talked, uh, you know, over at Retirement Researcher, we've talked a bunch about what inflation might look like going forward. And the market seems to be predicting lower levels of inflation, but that's a whole separate conversation. But we want to bring those assumptions into this. You know, like I said, you know, we started this conversation talking about Social Security. You know, that is an inflation adjusted, um, you know, cash flow. That, that, those benefits are inflation adjusted. So over time, you know, the size of those checks that you get, the dollar number on there that you get is going to be going up. And we want to bring that into the analysis. So you've got the discount rate basically pushing the value of those cash flows down. But you've also got the inflation rate pushing them back up at least to a certain extent. And where that balance point is going to lie is going to depend on the numbers that you use, the, the assumptions that you use for your discount rate and your inflation rate. Um, and we want to bring both of those 
into that conversation here. But the, the core idea of that present value is we want to bring, well, all of the values back to the present, back to a single point in time so that we can reasonably compare, you know, the Social Security check you're going to get when you're 87 versus, you know, your, how much you're going to be spending on groceries when you're 75. Um, and being able to kind of shift all of those cash flows back to today. A side note, uh, and, and Wade, you may want to maybe put a blurb about this. I've, over, t I, I think that one of the biggest shocks that I, th I think consumers have when they do this, especially with regards to Social Security, is that I, I think a lot of our listeners, or at least the folks that interact with us on Retirement Research or and even McLean, like Social Security is like a oh by the way kind of asset, yeah. right? Uh, I, you know, uh, it is what it is with regards to the, their their station. But uh, I, I think even those folks are shocked when they see the present value of the Social Security yep. payments, and all of a sudden, yeah, let me let me let me make the right decision around here, right? <laughs> Not that I want to make the Social Security. I don't want to make this a Social Security podcast because that's its own arc, but. I think that's kind of hits people in the face, right? In terms of, oh my goodness, this is actually quite a, quite a hefty number, way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's because the when you do the funded ratio, you have to decide how long uh, do you want? Are you going to live? And you may use a conservative age like age ninety-five, and so when you add up the present value of social security benefits through age ninety-five. Yeah, I mean, for a high earner couple, the potential to have more than a million dollars as the number of the present value for your lifetime Social Security benefits. And if it's not over a million dollars, for most listeners, it's probably going to be close, maybe $800,000, $900,000. It's not an insignificant asset unless you, you, you laugh at a million dollars as being insignificant. I don't think most people would. It's... For many, many Americans, it is a huge part of the retirement. And so as Alex says, that's where you may think it's not all that big deal about how to do the social security claiming, but yeah, this is a whole different conversation and podcast. The difference between a bad social security claiming strategy and a good social security strategy can be a couple hundred thousand dollars over the lifetime. So it's worth spending an hour to earn $300,000 potentially, unless, again, unless you just think that's piddly, not worth the effort. I, I don't know. It's a yeah, if your hourly rate's around 300 grand, <laughs> I, you know. Well, I something. would say this way, whoever, whoever, whoever feels that's piddly, they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> or if they are, you know, we would love to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that's an example of the present value. So Social Security, you know, it could be forty, fifty thousand dollars plus inflation from your 60s through your 90s. It's going to be a big I, I mean, that's what, that's what the present value calculation at least made me realize when I looked at it. I was like, man, this flew under the radar, but oh my goodness, you know, let's take a yeah. bite. You know, uh, in, in terms of liabilities, any, any, because uh, Bob, you kind of have, you know, when we do our challenge, you, you, we kind of run through hundreds of these. Yep. Any, any any reoccurring questions that come up about liabilities, just because we spoke about assets quite a bit. Yeah. And we'll, have so, a, and we'll have a follow up episode to this, to this one. We just wanted to lay the groundwork about the funded ratio. 
Yeah, so I mean, there's a, a couple things that pop up. Um, you know, one of the things is always going to be kind of thinking through legacy expenses. Um, you know, how, you know, one, it's really a question of, do you want to include those in your plan? Um, you know, is that something that's valuable to you? Um, and if so, how do you include that? That's generally going to be something there. The other one that really comes up is the specificity that people want to be using here. Um, you know, I think our listeners, I think I'm safe in saying this, you know, they, they like specificity. They like being precise. Um, but this is a tool that, you know, is really geared more towards the big picture. Um, so, you know, we don't care or the tool does not care, you know, exactly what your grocery bill is when you're 93 years old. It doesn't matter, you know, getting that number down to the cent. You know, what we want to be looking at is the big picture here, you know, making sure that everything kind of fits together. Um, so that's really on the liability side, the big type of question, um, you know, really kind of getting at that specificity. And, and Wade, I think you wanted to say something there. Yeah, on the liability side too, the, the taxes. And, and we do yes. incorporate tax calculations in our funded ratio to manage the Roth conversions and all that. It's a basic... Uh, efficient retirement distribution strategy, but not necessarily yeah. the optimal one. It's spend taxable, tax deferred, tax free. But then, you know, we in the retirement researcher community, we have some people who are significantly overfunded, and that can create a bit of an anomaly. That we, at first we were worried there was an error in the calculations, but it turns out it's right. It's just <laughs> if you're significantly overfunded, you're going to see a big tax bill in your liabilities, and that it's kind of confusing because all your assets are just the present value. We're not showing you the fact that when you're 95, your $3 million of assets now, after covering all your liabilities, might be worth $20 million. You don't get to see that growth of the assets, but you do incorporate the growth of all the taxes you're paying. And that's where it was kind of confusing at first. But if you're significantly overfunded, you might be shocked at yeah. how much taxes go into those calculations. No, and, and, and speaking specifically about the retirement researcher uh, funded ratio tool, you know, that it actually does include a, you know, it's not going to be doing your tax preparation for you, but definitely does include a reasonably sophisticated model of what you're going to be paying in taxes throughout the year to the point where that was building out that tax model was effectively building the funded ratio. That's where we spent yeah, 95 plus part. percent of our effort there um, to get Everything something that is reasonable. On a spreadsheet. The, yep. the taxes are the ones that get you. The taxes is the, yeah, our, we've, our developer was uh, beating his head on taxes for a while. Um, so, you know, we definitely include kind of that tax analysis in there because, you know, for a lot of people, you know, it will depend on, you know, the exact specifics here, but for a lot of people, your taxes are going to be one of your biggest expenses. Um, and that's kind of the hidden expense a little bit there um, that we definitely need to include in the analysis. Okay. So, wait, and Bob, uh, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is maybe take take the rest of this conversation to the next episode, since we're kind of at the 40-minute mark, where we discuss interpretations and where we discuss how, you know, we talked about the real map at the beginning. We've been talking in a general sense of a funded ratio, right? Like overall assets and overall liabilities. But in addition to that, we like to drill down and look mm -hmm. at it with regards to reliable income, 
you know, according to, you know, with your essential expenses. Uh, your investment portfolio with discretionary expenses, your reserves with reserves. You know, we, we like to kind of break up the funded ratio as well because you could be overfunded, but we want to see if you're overfunded in all the right places, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I, I, I'd like to, yeah, I think it'd be cool if we talk about that in a little greater detail in the next episode. What do you guys think? Sounds great. That'd be great. All right. All right. Twist All right. Odds thank you, everyone. Have him join another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you yeah. for joining us in this round, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, next week we'll continue with this discussion and finish our arc on the funded ratio. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.